Come with me as we dive into some of the most intimate diaries a person could share. My mission is to inspire you to push through during the toughest of times, too. Thank you for being here. I can't wait for you to hear these stories. Hey everyone, episode 5 is for Avery. I wanted to have Avery and her mom Nicole on the podcast because she was diagnosed with a tumor only a year after I was and since then has figured out how to overcome life as an amputee and a cancer survivor. She and her mom have put together the Team Avery Foundation which collected over 40,000 supporters in only a matter of years. She and her mom are continuing to work on this foundation and to provide families that are newly diagnosed with cancer the support they need to get through their hospitalization and chemotherapy journeys. Come along with me and listen to their amazing story. Be sure to check out the show notes and the webpage at pushdiariespodcast.com to learn more about the foundation and how you can support the Team Avery Foundation as well. And here they are. Nicole and Avery. I had cancer, Avery, in 2014. So that was already six years ago. I started getting really bad back pain. And honestly, I thought it was just like just a regular backache. And it started to cause numbness like in my abdomen. And then it started to go down my leg. And so what I found out finally when we got an MRI is I had a tumor growing on three vertebrae in my spine. Yeah, so basically we got it biopsied and found out it was a chondroblastic osteosarcoma. And my doctor gave me two choices, well, three. One choice was just leave it and, you know, live your life as long as you can until the cancer could overtake your body. We could have it removed, but I would be paralyzed and I would need to be in a wheelchair, you know, because then like eight inches of my spinal cord was missing. Or they could go in and decompress the vertebrae so that my spinal cord could freely move again and communicate with my leg. I chose to have it removed, but now I'm in a wheelchair and I'll be paralyzed my whole life. Um, my, my level of feeling gives out like right about my belly button, but my scar in my back goes like to my neck all the way down to like my, my butt crack, honestly. So it's a big scar and I have a fusion now. So they took out my vertebrae and um, Avery, the part of your leg that you had amputated is the same part of my left leg that they put in my back, which is oh, not. Wow. Yeah. So is that the tibia? That's the smaller bone, right? No, the fibula is the smaller bone. The tibia is the bigger bone. Okay. Thank you. So the fibula, the, you said fibula? Fibula, yeah. I should know that. Whatever bone is behind my shin, they, <laughs> they cut, like, right below my knee, 
and right above my ankle and then left my bone in my leg harvested. And then the second day of surgery, once they had my spine removed, they took that chunk of bone, broke it in half. So now my new spine is two fibulas side by side. And the bones actually regrew together, which is like amazing that that's even something, you know, modern healthcare can do. Obviously, I'm sad I can't walk, but I was just telling my fiance, you know, no matter what your disability is, Avery, you and I are survivors, which I think is far more cool than any discrimination we could get for being disabled, you know, so... That's kind of my story. I finished chemotherapy in February of 2015, so I am now five years. So I, I this year is my five-year cancer mark, which is crazy. So That's awesome. Yeah, and then six years since my surgery will be this August. So anyway, I started this podcast, and I really want, Avery, this podcast to be something children can listen to, too, or at least teenagers, you know, about inspiring stories. I know you're a young lady, but you, I'm sure, have helped a lot of people going through childhood cancer. So thank you guys for being on. Avery, how old are you? 11. You're 11? Awesome. And when were you diagnosed? Um, <laughs> Did you go blank on me? September 4th, 2015. Yes. Okay. Yeah, so you were diagnosed like a year and a couple months after me. A year and one month, I think. So that's crazy. How? So can you tell me a little bit about, like, did you start having pain? I mean, how old were you then? I was seven. So you could tell your mom and dad that your body was hurting, but you didn't know why. Yeah, like, because when it started hurting, I was laying in bed with my dad, and then, like, um, I was saying my prayers, and then all of a sudden, like, I felt like I broke my leg in my bed, and I was like, Dad, I think I just sprained my ankle, and he was like, you can't sprain your ankle in bed, and so that's when I all started, but then my parents, because I was very drama, and so <laughs> they thought that I was just, like, being dramatic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Nicole, growing up, did you know anyone with a disability or anyone who had an amputation? Did you or your husband know anyone who was going through anything similar or childhood cancer? Nope. I don't remember knowing anybody who went through cancer or any children, at least, that went through cancer when I was growing up. I don't remember any kids with amputations. Um, When I got into high school, there was kids, obviously, in wheelchairs, different things like that, but never an amputation. No. Mm Mm-mm. Yeah, so when did it become real for you when you were like, okay, this is affecting my daughter. She is no longer complaining about it at night, but during the day. When What, what things kind of transpired that made you realize it was a problem? So the next morning, she woke up in tears and said her leg hurt. So I just gave her some Motrin or Tylenol, I think, and sent her to school. And throughout the day, I would text with her teacher to kind of see how she was doing. And her teacher would say, oh, she's fine. But if I ask her about it, then she'll start lifting, which is pretty common with Avery because she was the dramatic kid. (laughs) (laughs) But that night she got home, went to bed. Everything was fine. She woke up at 1030 that night and was screaming and holding her leg. And at that moment, I knew something was up. So dad took her to the ER to kind of have some tests ran, but they 
did x-rays and said everything was fine and it was just growing pains. Yeah, wow. Yeah, the same thing happened with my first x-ray. It didn't show up on my x-ray at all. Like my spine looked super healthy, super normal. And the weird part was the part in my spine is actually higher up. So where the tumor was, but you know, all the nerves that run down from it was affecting like my leg. Whereas, you know, had I known my tumor was in the middle of my back, I would have been like, oh, that's weird. Cause my pain was much, much lower. Did you guys notice like any swelling or discoloration or did her leg look different at all? Nothing. It wasn't swollen. It wasn't warm. Well, what? When they touched it at the end, when the guy touched it, he said that it was a bit pink. Yeah. The very last doctor that we went and saw, the one that found it, um, said it was starting to turn a little bit pink. It was a little bit warm to the touch. N- neither things that we could see or feel, but he could. Yeah. So where was the tumor then? Was it on the, was it below the knee or above the knee? Below the knee on her left shin. Oh, okay. And it, what was the diagnosis then finally when they, I mean, did they do an MRI then? How did they find it? So we did the ER. They saw nothing. Um, we went to her pediatrician. He saw nothing. Blood work was ran. It came back completely normal. Um, and got her in to see an orthopedic surgeon. And he's the one that said it looked a little bit pink, felt a little bit warm. So he admitted her, ran an MRI, and then saw a mass, but thought it was a bone infection. So they went in the next morning to scrub it. And when he opened it up, he realized it was not a bone infection. So they did a biopsy, told us we would hear probably in seven to 10 days. And that next evening, they knocked on the hospital room door and told us she had Ewing sarcoma. Oh, okay. Wow. So how long between the time she felt pain and you guys went to the ER to diagnosis, would you say went by? One week. One week. Wow. Well, that's really good. They were so fast. Well, that was her. (laughs) Yeah. found and determined there was something wrong and she wouldn't let up on it. So yeah. Yeah. And it, yeah, absolutely good for her. And you know, it's tough because kids go through growth spurts and, you know, Nicole, you and I have lived a long enough life where we know some aches and pains are normal, but yeah, it's like, uh, you really have to listen to your body and figure out, okay, well, where is this pain truly coming from? Exactly. So then like, can you guys tell me a little bit about how you came to the decision as Avery being a seven-year-old, how did you talk about the options and kind of involve her in her own health care, but also you, Nicole, as a mom, making sure that she has the best chance at surviving. Well, at the beginning, there were no options. It was she's going to do 17 rounds of chemo and we're going to do a limb salvage surgery. Um, that were that was the only options. So we did that. She did her 17 rounds of chemo. She had her limb salvage surgery um, six rounds in. But the limb salvage surgery itself did not work. Um, it just never, it didn't fuse at the top. It fused at the bottom. It bowed. Um, she couldn't really walk. It always hurt all the time. She fell and broke her femur in that time frame. What is a limb salvage surgery? So limb salvage surgery is where they took out her tibia, a huge portion of her tibia and replaced it with a cadaver, um, arm bone, an adult arm bone. And what did you call it? Call it my arg because it was an arm leg. Like it was like <laughs> an arm and a leg, so I called it my arg. Your arg. <laughs> I love that. That's a great name. Thanks. 
you Nicole, you said the the cadaver bone didn't like grow. It didn't fuse with her bones. Correct. So finding out later that there's really kind of only a 50-50 shot of all of that working. And it did fuse at the bottom. It just never fused at the top portion from what we could tell. And um, the next summer, so she finished chemo in July of 2016. And then June of 2017, we went in and had a surgery to kind of figure out why it kept turning and why it wasn't working and why she couldn't walk why her knee would literally bend backwards. Um, they opened her up and realized that that cadaver bone was completely broken. Wow. And you can't heal dead bone, so they had to take it out and put in a metal rod. Yeah, and then how long were the chemo rounds, too? Because I imagine maybe some of the healing also had to do with, you know, her body was, her immune support was really low during the yep. chemo, right? So she had six rounds of chemo, and then they did the limb salvage surgery, and then she had 11 more rounds of chemo. So for for Ewing sarcoma, the chemo is basically one week on, one week off. Wow, yeah. That's so intense. I didn't realize that you guys had the cadaver bone put in. I mean, doing wound care, Mm -hmm. having Avery kind of learn how to walk on that new leg for a whole year and then have to go through an amputation on top of that. Obviously, we're glad we are where we are today, but that sounds like a really tough road. Nicole, where were you and your family like, I don't know, where did you struggle the most, I guess, during that time? What was the hardest part? Was she in school? Was she bedridden? So the first, the second that they put her in, well, the second they diagnosed her, they put her into a wheelchair and she was not allowed to bear weight because the hole in her tibia was so big with the tumor that she could fracture her leg just walking. So she was in a wheelchair for nine straight months, which, I mean, she was a dancer. She's my extremely active kid. She's always climbing things and jumping off things and giving me heart attacks. So uh-huh. she could go to school during that time frame because of her immune system. So she missed all of second grade. She was in a wheelchair. She couldn't go to dance. She couldn't do anything. Yeah. So that was hard, just watching her you know, pretty much live in a bubble for a year. She's always been my social butterfly too. So (laughs) yeah, that was hard. Yeah. I'm not a mother and I, you know, I have nieces and nephew and a nephew that I really love and I could not imagine them going through anything Avery or I have gone through. So I'm sure that was really tough. Okay, I wanted to take a quick moment to tell you about Beauty Counter. They make amazing lotions and balms that are safe for the whole family, even new babies. I love this stuff because the products are naturally derived and safe for the little ones. The sunflower oil nourishes deep in the skin while forming a protective barrier. The shea butter and jojoba seed oil easily absorbs into the skin, providing immediate lasting hydration. My two favorite products are the Baby Daily Protective Balm or the Adaptive Moisture Lotion. It feels so great on my dry face. I love that these products use biomimic technology that harnesses the unique life-giving properties of plants to match the skin, giving it precisely what it needs and nothing more. If you are interested in learning more about Beauty Counter, contact my consultant Linda. You can go to beautycounter.com forward slash Linda Gallagher, G-A-L-L-A-G-H-E-R. 
let's get back to the show. Avery, did your friends come and see you a lot? Did they ask you questions? Did you feel like you understood what was going on or was it confusing? It's funny, she doesn't remember a lot from that time frame. Yeah, I bet. I mean, I I know there are things that I remember kind of in blotches because it's traumatic. Um, how is your how have your friends, Avery, treated you now? I mean, how do you tell people that you meet what happened to your leg? Well, my friends, they treat me like I'm a regular person. Um, Good, because you are. Give me special treatment. Nope, she does not like special treatment at all. Yeah, um, but when I meet new friends, they just, like, when someone walks, they're like, what happens to your leg? And I'm like, well, I had cancer, and the doctors had a, like, like, I had cancer. And they're like, oh, okay, and then they, like, would ask me some questions about my leg. Um, but, yeah, like, some, like, my friends, they still ask me some questions, but, like, just about my leg. Mm -hmm. I don't know. When she's really good, I notice when we're at the park, little kids will always stare, and she just stops and asks them, do you want to know what happened to my leg? Do you want to touch my leg? Do you, you know, like, it's pretty cool. I'm kind of a superhero. I've kind of got a robot leg, and... It's fascinating to watch because these kids will come up and listen to her story, touch her leg, and then they just go off and play and they don't see her any different anymore. Like it's just once she explains it, then it's just normal. Yeah, I love how honest kids are. I feel like kids are really honest with me, too. And they'll come up and touch my wheel and say, why can't you walk? And I, I think it's such a great opportunity to be able to tell, especially Avery little kids, because you know, everything that a grown-up learns and all the things that they might discriminate against someone for or the differences they'll notice in someone, you're helping them see you and I as a regular person with a disability as just, like you said, just a regular person. So that's pretty amazing. Nicole, how many kids do you guys have? So we have three. This is the littlest one right here. This is Araya. Hi, Araya. Can you say hi? You gotta say hi. You can't speak. <laughs> and then we have an older daughter that is 20. Okay. All right. Awesome. So there's three of you guys. Well, and then sorry. We also have a boy. My um, husband has a son, but he hi. lives in Colorado. He's 20. No, he's 28. He'll be 29 in exits 2020. 20 is he 29? Holy cow! Old. It's hard. It's hard to keep track. I know. I'm gonna be 31 this year, and I'm like, is that real? I'm not 31. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so then once the cadaver bone wasn't fixing, then, like, did you know, Nicole, that she would need an amputation if that didn't work? Like, how much had they prepped you for that? So we did not go into that surgery thinking that there was going to be anything wrong with that bone. Um, We figured maybe there was a hardware issue. We really didn't know what to expect. Did not really think that the bone was going to be completely broken. So... When they came out of surgery and told us that they had completely removed the cadaver bone, it was a little bit of a shock. Um, They put in a metal rod and then planned to search for a child's tibia because the uh, adult arm bone obviously was not the best match. But at that time frame, you didn't have 
yeah, you have to kind of go with what you got. So at this point, we would have time to search for the right tibia. Um, what happened in between then and the amputation was about oh, a week or so after that surgery, we received a phone call from her surgeon telling us that they um, found Ewing sarcoma so that her cancer was back in that leg. Um, that meant obviously that her chances of survival were greatly diminished for a second time and that she would have to have an above the knee amputation. Long story short, uh, that ended up being false. Her cancer was not back, but we had already discussed amputation and things like that with Avery, you know, explaining to her what was going to be coming. So when they told us that her cancer was not back, which is about a week into the whole thing, um, she was done. She just didn't want to go through a limb salvage again. If the limb salvage worked perfectly, she would have a nice looking leg. She'd be able to walk, but she would not be able to run and jump, dance really hard, do all those things. Cause you have to be careful. It's a dead bone. Yeah. Um, that was not an option for her. So she asked to amputate her leg. Wow. Yeah. You know, I, Avery, that's pretty brave of you to decide that. And I, People always say, oh, you're so brave because you picked, you know, having the cancer removed from your back. And, you know, for you and I, it's like, how do we keep living our lives with the best chance of survival? So. And that was her thing. Like, I just want my life back. I don't need a leg. She had, um, being in this cancer world, we've met several kids with amputations and she see could see them running around and jumping and playing. And she was still limited to her walker or her wheelchair or her crutches. Right. She didn't want that life. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, as far as your hospital, how far away, Nicole, did you guys have to go for these appointments? I mean, was that orthopedic surgeon in Arizona or? Yes. So we have a children's hospital here, and that's where um, she did all of her chemo treatments. It's about uh, 20 to 25 minutes from our house, 15 if we really had to get there. <laughs> wow. Uh, I, I, I'm so impressed that you guys were so close to such great health care, yeah. too, because, you know, Avery, had you and I been born in a different country or another state, we might not be so close to those health care benefits. And Mayo Clinic in Minnesota is where I had my surgery done in Rochester. That's where she had her amputation. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. So my surgeon was Peter Rose. Do you so was hers. Nuh-uh. Are you kidding me? No. Wow. Insane. He's going to be so happy to hear that I met Avery. Oh, um, man, we have yeah. Ever yeah, he's an amazing, he's, he's an amazing person. It was Michael Yazemski and Peter Rose. They were my main surgeons. And then I had like, I think eight other specialists that had to do with, you know, my cardiovascular, my nervous system, respiratory. I mean, you guys can imagine I had to be cut in half. So it made me feel really good knowing that there were so many specialists. Mm -hmm. how, how did that work? Did you guys meet Peter Rose then before surgery or did you yeah. meet him only when you went up? How many times did you go to Mayo Clinic? So she decided to amputate her leg. Her surgeon down here said no, um, that he was not going to amputate a child's leg. Um, we went to another surgeon down here again that really wanted to do limb salvage again, um, wasn't keen on the idea of amputation. So we started looking outside of Arizona. We went and saw a surgeon in California. My husband talked to a few others. 
Um, and then my husband and Avery flew out to Minnesota and met Dr. Rose and Avery just loved him. <laughs> so yeah. it, was, it was Dr. Rose, Dr. Stans, and then Dr. Moran were the ones that yes. did that. And they were fabulous because nobody wanted to amputate a child's leg. Everybody wanted to try limb salvage again. And Dr. Rose said, you know what? I think she has the right to make the decision on her body and that she knows what she's doing. It's not like she just made the decision and we went, okay, we're going to amputate. She right. made the decision. We went and spoke with multiple amputees, um, did our research, met with a counselor. Um, it was a long time frame between making that decision and actually amputating. Yeah. And Dr. Rose ended up coming up with a fabulous idea because she was supposed to be a through the knee, which basically is like an above the knee. It means that she would have to work a knee joint and an ankle joint with a prosthetic, which is hard in general, but really hard if you're a dancer. So she had about three inches of ankle bone left that was still good. And <clears throat> he took that ankle bone and put it up below her knee and held it together with pins and screws and metal and he's like you know what you've never done it before and if it doesn't work she's a through the knee anyway so why not give her the best chance and hope it works and it worked wow so yeah. did they take the entire ankle joint and that became the new knee joint or are you just saying they used part of the ankle so they just used the ankle bone um so they used about three inches of bone not the ankle joint so she just has that tibia bone below her knee because she uh. was literally i mean it was just teeny bit below her knee that was left and so they put it into that then they took your fibula and they cut it off and shish kebobbed it right up into your tibia didn't they yeah so she has she doesn't have the ankle joint she still has her knee joint um but she has a her growth plate below her knee and her growth plate at her ankle oh okay wow so. aren't those doctors amazing and I can see too how you guys I mean Nicole, you as a mom, seeing her suffer for a year with that cadaver bone not working, it's like, man, we can't limb salvage her leg her whole childhood exactly. and have it be rejecting it. You know, I can see how you guys wanted to just figure out the best option so that she could start being a kid again and not having to, you know, survive day to day with things that might not work out. In my thing, I think she had spent a year fighting for her life. She had every right to make decisions about her body. Yeah, I'm a little surprised to hear there weren't more doctors and you're closer to home that were more supportive of that idea. I mean, we get it that they want to make the best decision for her, too, but that's the problem. They can't make that choice for her. She's got to be the one to make that choice. So, yeah. And she was nine. I mean, she was a nine year old child choosing to cut off her leg. So I get it. But, yeah. Um, and surgeons want to make, she would have had a pretty leg. It would have, if it had worked, she would have had a leg that looked right. like a leg and she could have walked and things like that. But that did not matter to her at all. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you guys get in contact with other kids that had amputations? Was that Dr. Rose or were those people that you met in the community? How did that kind of come to fruition? So we've met um, several kids over the last few years through just the cancer community um, from around the country that, in fact, one of her other Ewing sarcoma survivor friends um, had a limb salvage just like she did, and it did not work out. He had um, several infections, yeah, Parker. And so she had seen him the first year 
really in pain and kind of hobbling around with his limb salvage. And then the next year he had had his amputation and he was running around and doing yoga. And she's like, okay, that's what I want. Plus she yeah. Gabby Schull. Who had- that ain't fair. Like he, like me and him was both suffering and then he got better <laughs> and I'm not. Yeah. yeah. You're like, what the heck? I want to get on that train. Exactly. Gabby Schull is one of her friends, and she had rotation plasty, and she went on to be a competitive dancer. I mean, we just met several kids that had amputations. Yeah, that's amazing. It's it's pretty powerful seeing people that have gone through something that you might be so afraid of, succeeding at life, thriving, not only just living, but truly thriving. Exactly. Um, Avery, I saw last week you had a sore on, do you call your leg now stumpy? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. How did you come up with that? I mean, I guess I probably can take a few guesses, but why stumpy? I don't, I don't really remember. I just remember that like it is a stump and that, that was like the first name that came to mind when I got my leg amputated. So I was like, stumpy is the name. <laughs> like, so- so Arg is now Stumpy. Yep. Yes, but the full name is Stumpy McStumperson, nice. but it's my Stumpy. <laughs> That's awesome. So, Avery, do you have pain in your stump? Like, maybe maybe when you're not necessarily walking on it, but do you, when you're just sitting, do you have pain in your leg? Yeah, I get these shocks that it's like my nerves and... Like every once in a while, it's like it get the this shock and it hurts. Like it feels like like someone just stabbed me. I don't know. It really really hurts though, and I get those like constantly. Like I don't know. Like it happens very often though. Um and then also, um Stumpy grew and so Stumpy got buff. Yeah, Stumpy got buff <laughs> and so um ah uh, so. Now, Stumpy's too big for my prosthetic, and so oh. it, like, feels like it's suffocating. And the other night, uh, like, this, like, the other night I took it off, and it was, like, red and purple, and it was, like, really hurting, and I couldn't feel it, and so now I'm getting a new leg, but it does hurt often. Well, yeah. Being yeah. an amputee is definitely not pain-free. She's in pain. Pretty often. And it would be different if she, you know, went to school, walked around, came home, whatever. But she plays tag at recess. She participates in everything they do in PE. She's constantly running. She takes five dance classes a week. So she's pounding on that thing constantly. Right. Right. And it's got to be hard, too, when you get those sores, just knowing, like, okay, I got to take a break this week. So that next week I can do this or that. I imagine your coaches are very understanding of you needing to take breaks and let skin heal. Um, Avery, what's the hardest part about your sores then? I mean, and how, yeah, what's the hardest part about that? I mean, are you doing better as far as taking breaks or? (laughs) No, I do not like breaks because we're also learning our recital dances. And so I have to miss out on that, and then I get behind. And then also, PE, it's really fun, and I want to play. And then right. <laughs> and for tag, like, I just have to sit and watch. Like, well, no, that's not true. Like, I just don't like, because, like, I want to play tag, and I want to run around. But right. then, 
Yeah, because it's not fun if we, I can't run. I mean, like, I just, like, feel like, like, what's the point of the day if I'm just going to walk? Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Subjects in school are recess, PE, and lunch. So, <laughs> like, if I can't do those, why go to school? I'm like, uh, right. I learn. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's really good that you have distractions and hobbies and things that you like to do because then it's almost like you don't notice your pain as much. At least that's for me. If I'm with good friends and doing things that are active, I just don't focus so much on how bad my body is hurting. Is that yeah. kind of the yeah. same for you? Mm-hmm. Until she gets home and then has to actually yeah. sit it's down. Just, then she's miserable. Yes, yeah. Yeah to sit and just like watch something instead of run around and move <laughs> I just have to sit there and it's so frustrating because I can't do anything independent I have to say like mom um, can you carry my books please mom can you bring me my backpack blah 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 and I'm like what I just want to do it by myself but I can't so although it does get you out of putting away the dishes and picking up dog poop so yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah so my my, my fiance picks up the dog poop for me too, so it's kind of nice to have people that are helping us, isn't it, Avery? Yeah, and it's nice being able to see because then, like, this is what I do. I'm like, like to one of my friends, I'm like, hey, can you grab this for me? And they're like, no, you got. It. I'm not like, no, I'm like, and then I pop off my leg. Sorry, my leg's off. Dark. And so they have to get up and get it. Yeah. Back. Yeah. Um. Well, man, you've been through a whole lot, and I'm so happy that you're on the outside of that now and living your life. How often do you guys have to get refittings for the prosthetic? I imagine as a girl who's growing every day, that's something that happens often. Well, so actually, I have, like, these spacers. Here, hold on. She's going to pop her leg off for you. Awesome. Yeah, show me. I'm so curious. Like, just got casted for will be her third leg. So. Okay. So really not as many as we expected. We really thought there'd be more. So there's, like, these spacers. And so every time when I grow, I get a new spacer. And if I get up to, like, this certain amount of spacer, I get a rod like this. Oh. But if I get too much, like, like if this, if, like, Stumpy grows and it gets, like, either smaller or um, buffer, <laughs> I have to, um, get a new leg fitted, and I'm getting a new leg, um, uh, this next week, yeah, yeah, because that's what happened, it grew from, like, 22 inches around to 24 inches around, so it's just getting completely squished in there, and if you don't sit all the way down inside of your prosthetic, so that the end of her limb is basically at the bottom of the prosthetic, then, um, because the pressure going up and down, you'll get a blister. Right, right, right. It's got to fit so perfectly since it's under a lot of pressure. Hey, everyone. I wanted to tell you about Patreon. Patreon gives creators of all kinds the tools needed to acquire, manage, and energize their paying patrons. Support Push Diaries by subscribing to our Patreon page where you'll get exclusive content not found anywhere else. We just started a special series where me and my fiancé Tyler talk about life and how we push forward together. Just go to patreon.com, create a profile, and become a patron of Push Diaries Podcast and thousands of others. Thanks, and we'll talk again soon.
what's the what's the biggest thing you guys have learned going through prosthetics? Um, what surprised you? What's common knowledge, or what are things people just have no idea about? Um, I wish there was a way that prosthetics were much more comfortable. It's amazing to me that with all the technology out there, that they still are as uncomfortable as they are. I mean, I know they've come such a long ways from where they used to be, but I wish they weren't so, I mean, it's just hard plastic that her leg is in. I wish that it was like this foam, like a squishy yeah, inside of it. Soft. Like, like I wish that like the walls surrounding my stuff is like, I wish it was like foam or like a squish. Yeah. yeah, like a like a cool gel or something that was more absorbent. Yeah, or the socks. Something. Or something like cold. Oh, something soft. So nice. Yeah, and so the reason why it's not soft, though, you guys are saying because it would create skin problems. You think? So if the um, the prosthetic has to be the hard plastic so that it's hard enough to withstand, especially what she does to the poor thing. Um, <laughs> so it's got to be durable, obviously. I just I it's wish that there was words. one of your words is durable for mm-hmm. vocab. Awesome. Yes. Um, I just it's. I wish I had gone into prosthetics as a career because you see all yeah. these and all these things that you wish that they could change and tweak and do. And it would be fun to be one of those people that could do all that fun stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Just learning. Um, we've just had to learn to adapt a lot of things. It's kind of in a lot of ways, a one size fits all. So like the, the spacers that are used to make her like longer are just like from home Depot um wow we've just learned different things for dance to do her ballet shoe when she was in dance we just would use a smaller ballet shoe and kind of tie it on still trying to figure out the tap shoe side of it um there just isn't a lot of those things out there obviously so a lot of it's just adapting and trying to figure out a way to make what she needs work yeah how often yeah (laughs) exactly how often are you guys getting refitted then? Is it like every six months, would you say, for a new leg? Your first one was March of 2018. I don't remember the dates anymore. 2018? Yeah, because when was your – yeah, so her first prosthetic she got in March of 2018. That was your Paris leg, 2018. And then she got this one, her mermaid leg. I don't know how much longer. Because she's had this one for quite a while. Okay, so it's time for a new one. Yeah. Um, I wish insurance would allow you to have more than one leg. Um, I wish she had a leg for swimming. I wish easier access. I wish that they were obviously better options, and I wish that insurance would pay for more things. And I also also wish that... They would pay for liners, Ugh, liners because I keep getting holes. Oh, no. I see that. Yes. And so I wish that they could pay for more because they're, like, in the thousands. So, yeah, each one of her liners is about $600. And, wow. you know, they only give you so many. The same thing with the foot. Uh, she, When she first got her prosthetic, she got a basic foot that's really heavy and not it doesn't move it doesn't bend anything like that so her blade obviously is not covered under insurance so that was something that thankfully was donated from a friend's grandma for her 
but that's like seven thousand wow. uh, dollars. At some point, she's going to need another one, and again, that's going to be completely out of pocket. Once she's an adult, Nicole, do you think insurance would be more likely to pay for different legs because she's not growing as much, or no. is that a problem? No, it's just a problem across the board. Okay. You have to prove every time why she needs this or why she needs that. Like, you know, she's not asking for a car. She's asking for a better leg to be able to walk. Yeah. And I mean, it's quality of life. It's like, do exactly. I swim or, yeah, do I swim or not swim just because I don't have that swim, swimmer's leg or whatever. So, um, yeah. yeah, that's tough. I I understand that. I know a lot of other people with disabilities would too. It's like, Equipment is very expensive and, you know, you don't always know what you need, but you also get really resourceful. Are there any like tips or tricks about things you guys have solved problems with? Just like, okay, I'm going to do it this way. Um, my shoe, my snowshoe. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So she was going to Indiana to visit her cousin and it was winter time. And I'm like, okay, how are we going to do this? She's just got a blade. She doesn't wear a foot. She wears a blade. Um, which is interesting because you can't get shoes on a blade. So I'm trying to figure out how in the world is she going to manage in the snow and on the ice with this blade. So I found they're called clamp-ons and they snap, they kind of have like a, uh, I don't know, you kind of pull them and they snap over a snow boot. Sure. So we were, we ordered those and kind of pulled those and snapped them around her blade to give her some traction. Um, What other things have we done? When it rains, she carries, thankfully it doesn't rain very often here because amputees and rain are not a good combo because she can't feel her foot. So she can't feel as she's slipping. Oh, sure, sure. So she carries a towel with her when it's raining so she can keep drying her blade. Um, What other things have we done? Tying on ballet slippers and tap shoes. So just kind of being creative and figuring out different solutions. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's pretty amazing. Um, Avery, what do you want to be when you're older? Do you want to be a mom? What what goals do you have in your life? So when I grow up, I want to be a mom and I want to be, um, I want to be a firefighter. <laughs> Couldn't have been something simple. Right. <laughs> um. And, like, I don't know, like, if they haven't figured out um, how to cure child cancer, then I want to be, like, a doctor. But um, but if they have, then I want to be a firefighter. Um, That's so cool. Yeah, I want to be a professional hip-hop dancer. <laughs> awesome. Well, it sounds like you're well on your way to that. I feel like you could already get that, that award. <laughs> You guys started a foundation, is that right? Can you tell me about that? That is just so powerful and cool. So we have the Team Avery Foundation that we started. It was funny when we were going through treatment. It's like everybody starts a foundation when they're done, and I was going, I'm not starting a foundation when we're done. I was going, you'll find a need, and you'll have to fill it. And we did. Um, We started bringing in bags to moms whose children were just diagnosed with cancer full of things that were helpful me when she went through stuff because everything's given to the kids as it should but moms need love too so it's filled with things like a white noise maker so that you can make it through the nights at the hospital um we've got oh man what's all in there um gold boxing gloves for the kids because she wore gold box or she wore pink 
boxing gloves at that time for every single round to knock out cancer. And then at the end, all of the doctors and nurses signed it for her. Um, what else is in the thing? My mind is going completely blank right now for some reason. Um, 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 Fuzzy socks. Uh, yeah. Because it's always freezing cold. And yeah. also um, a hydro flask. Oh, hydro flask. So they remember to drink water because I didn't eat or drink. I lost like 20 pounds in two weeks when uh-huh. she was diagnosed. Yeah. Um, so it's all sorts of different things like that. Extension cords because there's never an outlet where you need it in the hospital. Chapstick. Okay. Chapstick. Smell the chapsticks because. Oh, that's a good so, trick, isn't it? Yes. This is a good trick because so when because when you're going through cancer, you have to have. Um, masks on and so um I used to put smelly lipstick in it so it would smell good instead of smelling like the hospital yeah. so it would like smell like strawberries or like fruit punch something like that and yeah so, something more fun yeah. yeah so that was in there too that's awesome do people donate money then for you to buy those items or how do you get funding for those bags Oh, yeah, oh, we, oh, yes, and we have in our Jesus Calling, yep, for both uh-huh. the moms and the kiddos, our devotionals, and a planner. Um, yeah, so we have a, we are an official 501c3, so we get donations um, from people to purchase the things for the bags. And we only deliver about four to six oh. a month at the hospital right now. And another thing that we do is another thing that we put in there are pamphlets of other organizations because when we are going through cancer, we didn't know of, like, any other organizations. And so, like, we feel like if we knew about that, then it would help us more. And so we hand out, like, pamphlets in the bags um, of all the organizations so then you know yeah that's great so very good lots of educational resourceful information for other moms and families going through that that's so great um wow so how did like how long has the foundation been up and running nicole uh we've been up a couple of years the first there was so much stuff going on with her amputation and all that fun stuff that we didn't do much with it at the beginning it just got to be too much happening so now we're getting back into it and we've got a delivery going up to the hospital next week on Wednesday. So, awesome. and I bring the bags in and meet the moms. And as for me, meeting people is also helpful. Knowing somebody that's gone through cancer and is on the other side and they're thriving, she's doing fabulous, was very helpful for me to meet when we were going through treatment too. Yeah. To know this was not everything. This was just a small piece of what our lives were going to be this was not because when you're in it you feel like this is going to be going on forever when they told us that she was going to have treatment for a year I'm like a year I can't imagine a year and really it went by pretty fast we're now at three and a half years outside of treatment and I mean life goes on yeah it sure does well I'm so impressed, Avery, with you and how strong you are and determined to be a normal kiddo because you are. It's so funny that we use the word normal and regular because you are. You're a living, breathing young lady who has so much potential ahead of you. And even though this has been so scary and so hard, you're that much more able to be empathetic and understanding of people around you that are going through really difficult things. Um, so you should be really proud of yourself. I agree. <laughs> yeah.
going to make you a pretty strong mama and, you know, professional worker or firefighter. You're going to be that much more good at what you do for this experience you've went through. It's awful, but I'm thankful that you're on the other side. Yeah, if we all survive for teenagers. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, do you mind me asking, are you on a pain medication? How often do you guys have to go back for cancer checks? What does your cancer and prosthetic journey look like now that you're, you know, outside of treatment? So we go, we're now at, since we've hit the three-year mark, we're now at every six months for scans. And basically all of her scans are just um, x-rays and blood work is all we're doing now. It used to be every three months. Yeah, that's uh, big thing to be able to go from three months to six. I mean, I remember when they did that with me too, I was like, thank God that I don't have to go so often. Do they do like a CT or anything of her chest or if you you sarcoma came back, where are they looking for? Typically, if it's going to come back, it's going to come back in the lungs first. So we used to do a CT and an MRI. um, And then it was, I think, CT and x-rays. And now it's just x-rays because unfortunately, x-ray or ct can show false positives too and you know show things that aren't actually there so we don't do that right now we just do the x-rays and the blood work and that should be it at the five-year mark then we go to once a year right for 10 years i think we go she's not on any pain medication at all she takes motrin when the pain gets to be too much with her back she did just get an awesome donation of this really cool bed that does zero degree um yeah it's like so zero can, gravity yeah zero and gravity that's what so it is mo- it's like takes off all of the um pressure on joints it feels so nice and so like when I come home from school like my back is sore and so I just like lay in it for 15 minutes and then my back back feels like it's like perfect or like when I come home from like tumbling and like my back is very sore from doing like back bends so then I do I um lay in it for like 15 minutes and my back feels like like it feels new I don't know it feels yeah I have a bed like that too, Avery. The head comes up, the feet come up, and the whole bed slants too. Yep. And I, I agree with you. It's awesome that it kind of takes the pressure off. You know, if you were laying in a flat bed, it just makes it more comfortable. So I'm really happy that that's been, like, useful for you. Do you sleep better at night too then with that? Yes. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's got a cooling thing on top of it because since she's had chemo, she's – ridiculously hot body sleeping at night in fact she would sleep with ice packs so this cools her body so that she doesn't ask to sleep (laughs) sleep with an ice pack awesome what now did the company that made the bed donate that or how did you guys get plugged in with that donation so they reached out um on her instagram and asked if she would be willing to be an ambassador for this new company it was actually developed in um the medical world and they want to bring it to people outside of the medical world that need it like her. And in exchange, we just give back our honest feedback and um, post what we like, what we don't like, different things like that. And so far it's been absolutely fabulous. Awesome. What is the, what is the brand of the bed? If you want to do a plug there for them. (laughs) It's called majestic beds and they donate. So for every three beds that are purchased, they donate one to a make a wish kiddo. Awesome. And they also 
also donate a percentage of um, all of their products that are purchased back to Make-A-Wish. Uh, I think it's wow. Make-A-Wish Michigan is who they donate to right now. That's so cool. Well, yeah. that's so neat. Um, Nicole, now that you have a kid who's gone through this, do you have any other like dreams or goals as far as what's inspired you that Avery has accomplished? Would you ever want to write a book? I know you've done this foundation. <laughs> um, yes, eventually the goal is to write a book. Um, uh, yeah, I'm still trying to figure out how to do that. That's overwhelming to me to think about, but definitely want yeah. to do that. Avery wants to write a couple books because when she was going through everything, there really wasn't much out there in terms of kids explaining amputation. Um, she's there going to start. Any. Yeah, there weren't any. It was adults, some teenagers, things like that. Um, she's also going to start a YouTube channel because it's funny, it's funny how many questions people have about her amputation or her leg or her prosthetic. And as soon as she does a video to explain whatever question or answer the question, it just brings up more questions. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> So you can you can have all of that right on a YouTube video and be able to educate a lot of people. That's so neat. That would have been very helpful for her when she was researching all this stuff about amputation too. Yeah, no kidding. I know. Now you're like blowing my mind with possibilities. It's like Avery, you could write your own children's book, and you guys yeah. could include that in your bag that goes out with your foundation. Yeah, yeah. That's the plan eventually, huh? That's just so cool. Yeah. Well, and you know you. Cancer brings up a thousand questions, right? And then prosthetics, it's like a whole nother realm. Being a kiddo that's gone through amputation, you are so knowledgeable because you've actually experienced it. Do you guys have anything else you want to tell the listeners? Any any last words, Avery? So what do, what do you tell everybody at the end of your speeches? <laughs> yeah. Yes. I, at the end of my speeches, I usually say, I'm not disabled, I'm enhanced. Woohoo! Heck yeah, you are. That's awesome. I'm going to have to start saying that too. All right. Well, you guys, thank you so much for being on today. It was really nice to get to talk to you. Avery, definitely keep us in the loop as far as what's going on with you. Your mom's so good about your Instagram page, so I'll keep looking on there. The last thing I wanted to ask you, I, I remember when I found your page, I saw a video of you learning how to walk with a walker after surgery and how scared you were to get up and take those first few steps. And then by the end of the video, you were just walking down the hallway like it was no big deal. I know these are things that you've overcome day by day, but just know that I think you're really inspiring and keep on keeping on sister and I will too. Okay, thanks. God bless you. Thanks for talking to us. And then the last thing, will you guys just say how we can find you, how listeners can connect with you, connect with your foundation? So our Instagram and our Facebook are both Team Avery, so T-E-A-M and then A-B-R-I. And um, our foundation is the Team Avery Foundation. We do have a Facebook for it, but I don't post. I don't like asking mamas to take pictures and different things like that. So we don't really post much on there. So basically the, the best way is through our team Avery Instagram and Facebook. Okay. And then if someone wanted to make a donation, how do they do that? We have PayPal um, is team Avery warrior at Gmail. We do have a Venmo as well. You said team Avery warrior at gmail.com. Okay, cool. Yeah. 
Avery, stay strong and stay in touch. And Nicole, thanks so much for getting on here today and talking with us. Absolutely. Thank you. All yeah. right. Bye, guys. Have a good day. Thank you. Bye. This has been Push Diaries Podcast. Please visit our website at pushdiariespodcast.com to see our mission and learn more about the guests. This is your podcast, too. I want to hear your stories. Email me at pushdiariespodcast at gmail.com and consider supporting the show by going to patreon.com forward slash pushdiariespodcast. Thank you for listening.